0: Welcome to the Conduit Deeper podcast, a podcast that takes a deep dive into the details that surround our current sermon series, from current events to fascinating finds to conversations that take us deeper into the Word. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to our Deeper podcast. My name is Mo, Executive Pastor at Conduit Church, joined with our lead pastor, Darren Tyler, and very special guest this week, Teacher uh, and historian, kind of. I mean, she's. (laughs) She follows it closely. Author. Author. Donna Van Leer. You've heard her on here before, of course. And this is a bit of a special uh, episode, a special podcast. Um, We just decided that it's really important that we dive into some current events, specifically as it pertains to all things that are happening in Israel and, and in the Middle East. And if you haven't been paying attention, it might be a good time to do that and we hope to help connect some dots on why it does make sense to pay attention to what's happening in Israel right now.
1: Yeah, and if if somebody isn't paying attention, that that would be actually remarkable to me right now because it feels like this is everywhere. Uh, it's actually it seems like it's almost surpassed uh, Corona, at least on NPR. Uh Like, that, you know it's bad if NPR is, like, trumping it for COVID. Like, COVID is trumped by this uh, on it. And I found myself driving and, like, yelling at my radio, kind of like I was with COVID the more I think about it, NPR. (laughs) So this is very consistent. I don't know why I do that to myself. But anyway, so I'm – which is actually what sort of predicated this. I'm like, man, we – there is – they are making a narrative right now of what's happening that is so – myopic and so out of context that if this is what people are hearing um you would you could see why people would be confused as to what's happening or why they would cast Israel as the giant monster villain and Hamas as this heroic organization which is a fascinating turn of events when you think about it but
0: yeah i mean it's definitely yet again another presentation of information that supports a narrative that is uh completely without context and very one-sided Yeah, yet again
2: and it has to be that way yeah it has to be that way because satan is the prince of the air he's prince of the air waves and and it's it's going to be that way because he knows his time is short and he has to keep attacking israel and the jews over and over and over again he has to get them out of the land
1: When you think about the historic, so where we are right now in just the last couple of weeks, so here we are, May, whatever this is, 16th, seventh, whatever, what day is this?
0: Today is Monday the 17th of May.
1: May (laughs) 17th, oh man. I should know that because I'm leaving for Honduras tomorrow. Um, Just in the last two weeks, um, Hamas, the terrorist organization that rules this little sliver of land called Gaza, started firing rockets. And when they say rockets, I, I wonder if, I don't know, that part even feels like so euphemistic. These are missiles, like they're shooting bombs into Israel. Mm-hmm. You know, they, now in fairness, they have terrible aim. Uh, they have terrible technology. Uh, but the fact of the matter is they are literally lobbing bombs. Like if our farmer over next door, a neighbor here, just started throwing sticks of dynamite at us, you know, we're, we're not going to just sit and enjoy that, right? And just, oh, because he's a terrible aim, we'll just let him keep trying. But so that starts two weeks ago. And Israel does what Israel should do, which is defends themselves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, hey, credit to uh, President Joe Biden for actually saying that they have the right to defend themselves. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, wherever you stand in geopolitical, whatever, like having uh, the president say that, you know, there's arguments being made that this wouldn't be happening if he wasn't there. Um, I haven't, we have no way to know that, right? But what we do know is that at least he said that, which w- the hard left narrative right now, from Cortez and uh, Toledo. Ta- Ta- Tal- Ta- mm-hmm. why can't I say her name? Um, that, you know, there was a lot of concern, and I had some of that concern as well, that he would come out with their rhetoric, mm-hmm. which is that Israel needs to be wiped off the face of the earth. Sure. So, you know, at least credit to him. But, but it feels like what's what I'm frustrated with is I'm hearing a lot of, uh, of the narrative of that Israel is... Attacking as if they're the the aggressors, that they're this occupying force, with exactly zero context to even. Donna, was it like the '90s when the bus bombings were happening, or was it? It was the '80s for sure, but I think even into the '90s. Yeah, I don't. I
2: don't remember the years. You would
1: turn on the news, and uh, you know, the nerd that I was, I was not exactly the charmer, man, Michael. When I was your age, I was the most boring guy ever (laughs) because I would watch the news so much. But, the, you know, in those days in Israel, you would literally, you know, they were blowing mm-hmm. up buses. Like it would be all over the evening news, terrorist attacks in Jerusalem. Uh, a guy would walk in and blow up a bus and kill a bunch of it people. It probably
2: was the 80s because the Iron Dome was, that was 85, I believe.
1: That was when they developed the Bef- Iron Dome?
2: Before they, it, yeah, when they could start intercepting. I believe that was 85. So it was probably early 80s wow. when that was taking place.
1: That's actually remarkable, by the way, that they'd already developed that technology. Mm-hmm. Someone described that once as a bullet being able to shoot a bullet out of the air, mm-hmm. which is a remarkable thought.
2: And so, Ronald Reagan, President Reagan had a huge part of part in that. If you remember, the media I was did making fun, that. was making fun of him and they cuz he had a big long name of of it, but they started started calling it Star Wars. Yes. They that's were making where fun started. of Oh, that's yeah, how that started. That's started, how that started. They yes. were making fun of him, but he he was a huge part of that in helping them develop that.
1: Apparently I wasn't as big of a nerd as I thought because I remember Star Wars, but I didn't remember that that's what that came from. Mm-hmm. Huh.
2: And that and the Iron Dome is able to intercept 90% of those wow. rockets that, that come into the country. Because think about that. They would have been annihilated without that. Yeah.
1: 3,000, is that the number currently? Where It's over
2: 3,100 right now. Yeah.
1: I think that what has been frustrating to me is there's like three angles of this that, that, that I feel like are important. The, the historical right there's the geopolitical and then you know as as christians as believers we would put the biblical one on it um, i feel like i could make a case just out of the historical right and geopolitical with even without the biblical narrative uh, on it so if someone doesn't like respect the bible as a source of truth which is apparently about 80% of the united states right now 95% of the government mm-hmm. and 100% of the media it seems to anyway, me i feel like we could make a case on that alone of it but with us of course the biblical narrative is the basis for it all um, because this just the fact that it's called Palestine right now like it's
2: is uh, wrong yeah it like is, where did that like, it's historically wrong biblically wrong
1: like where did that come from I mean Donna was talking about this she heard a pastor at a, a church refer to Jesus being born, born in Palestine said so mm-hmm. it made the hair stand up on her neck
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and tell us why that 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 hit you so wrong
2: Right, because because I, I knew that in one thirty five AD that Emperor Emperor Hadrian he changed the name because he wanted to eradicate any memory of the Jews yeah. from the land of Israel. And so he changed the name to Syria Palestina using two of their greatest enemies in, in that name. Yeah. It's like to further humiliate them, call their land Syria Palestina, and they shortened it to to Palestine, but even today, like I said, I'll, every now and then I'll read a book from a Christian author and it'll stay, say blah, blah, blah in Palestine. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's not Palestine. Yeah. And when that pastor said that Jesus was born in Palestine and then days later, an uh, elder from the church told me that 10,000 people were there over the weekend services and I thought, oh, wow. 10,000 people heard that Jesus was born in Palestine. Yeah. Which is just 100% wrong. So we've got to change that narrative. Christian people need to know. there's Jesus didn't walk the land of Palestine. He wasn't born in Palestine. It was well over 100 years after he had dies, died and risen from the grave that they changed the name to that. And it was never a recognized country either. Right. I mean, from 70 AD on when they... Uh, when they torched Jerusalem and the Jews scattered throughout the world for the next 1900 years, it was occupied territory. That's it. Right. And it was occupied by many different forces. Um, It was the Byzantine Empire had had part of, you know, occupiers for a while. The Crusaders were there for a while. The Ottoman Turks. Yeah. So for nearly 1900 years, not a country. It was purely occupied territory
1: yeah and what seems to be um the axe to grind with most of the the memes on the internet right now whether it's the tweets or the instagrams or the TikToks, tocks or they feel it almost seems like they didn't know that history doesn't start in 1948 right right they, 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 they for some reason they think that's when history started mm-hmm. and so everything started at that moment um mm-hmm.
2: Well, you know, Palestinians—they have no ancient claim to the land. So the the Dome of the Rock wasn't even built until what six something, six eighty seven A.D. Yeah. So there's there's no ancient claim there. The Jews have ancient ancient claim.
1: Yeah, if you if you I mean goodness, if you want to go back far enough into history, right, of who quote unquote has the claim to the land, it's the Canaanites, mm-hmm. right? That's that was the land of Canaan that right. was that was there. Uh, there are no Canaanites that that race of people has been eradicated as far as I know I guess we should probably verify that but I'm 99% sure um, that there are no Canaanites Um, and from there it was like Philistines and you know the different but when Abraham you know Isaac Jacob were promised by God again if you don't recognize the biblical at least the historical um, they moved into that land uh, when there were Canaanites there when Israel then, after it carried off into captivity by Egypt and eventually they came back and conquered the land, um, there were no Palestinians there at that point either. So the, the historical idea that Israel has no claim to the land is actually inaccurate. I, I would suggest, because I think I could make an actual legal case for it, that it's not even a legally accurate case. The Balfour Declaration, the the fact that this land was actually recognized by the League of Nations and later, uh, when, when they declared themselves as a nation and the whole world seemed like it was going to burn down, like they, they were recognized. Israel was recognized by the world as the, the owners of the land. They were the ones mm-hmm. recognized. And, and I guess I should say, because uh, it is true for me, like I'm not suggesting that the Israeli government is. Um, Perfect by no means what I say about any government, including our own, especially our own. Um, even this last year, looking at what was happening with the way they've been handling the COVID situation, I'm like over here wanting to just scream like, are you kidding me? Have you guys lost your minds? But it's not about the, the, the whether they're handling it right as much as it is like, w- what is the ultimate claim? And then, then we can have a conversation. Should they do this or should they not do that? I mean, those are different conversations than this is an occupying force who is illegally Inhabit, you know, inhabiting this land and needs to be overthrown and handed back to, uh, to the Palestinian people.
2: Right. And another interesting uh, thing is during that 1900 years when there was occupying forces on the land, none of them ever did anything to improve the land. They weren't interested in the land. It was a wasteland. Just like Ezekiel 36, if you take the time to read Ezekiel 36, it, he, um, the Lord tells Ezekiel to prophesy to the land. Hmm. To the mountains, to the streams, to the rivers. And he tells them, You're going to come to life again when my people Israel come back. But before that, he says, The opposing nations are going to say, Aha, we, we have you now. Right, right. But they did nothing to the land. It was horrible. Mark Twain made a trip there in 1867 and would have. Posted a scathing review on TripAdvisor because he (laughs) his Yelp
1: review would have been bad news. Right, he had
2: nothing good to say about the land. They did nothing but when the country, when that territory became a country again, ooh wow! Suddenly everybody wanted it.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's the um. I guess when I come from the historical perspective of it, I mean, first of all, when I hear Antifa, first of all, I don't want to hear anything they've got to say. I mean, everything that antifa is saying right now is just absolute madness to me but when you are uh yelling and screaming about you know in first of all, the united states itself like you know then why are we bothering with israel when we need to be bothering with our own nation and and how we got here and like how do we you know how do you unring that bell like at what point do you say the united states is an occupying territory and we need to hand it back to the first nations like what if you really think through what you're asking, it's actually madness for that. Like it's Mm -hmm. literally madness. Um, And of course, when you're tweeting it from a phone made from cobalt that was mined from African children uh, in slavery, I don't really have a whole lot of interest in your human rights claims if if you aren't going to be pure across the board. Um, But for where we sit today, I'm looking at it thinking there's a whole generation of young people from a, a political, a geopolitical, a biblical, just for some congruence in, in in what's true and what's false in this, and maybe one place to start would be looking at like the current, like Hamas, the leadership of of uh, Palestine. Like I would bet my left arm if I were to line up a group of twenty year olds that this week have tweeted something very mean about Israel and ask them to even describe the situation for Palestinians mm-hmm. right now, I don't think they really could. I think they could, because I would suggest, you know, the Palestinian people need to be freed, but it's not from Israel, it's from Hamas.
2: Exactly, well, yes.
0: I think even before we get into that, I think we have to define some some words. Okay. I, I, I don't want to assume that everybody even knows what we're talking about in terms of when we say uh, <clears throat> Hamas, who yep. is Hamas, what
1: is Hamas? Yep. Um, Do you want to start with that one? Yeah. Okay. Go. Hamas. So Hamas is a terrorist organization that grew up after Yasser Arafat uh, died. In the, in the ensuing years after Israel became a nation, the Palestinian Liberation Organization is what rose up to PLO, the, the Freedom Fighters. And mm-hmm. they would call themselves Freedom Fighters. They were terrorists. So when you saw buses being bombed in the '80s and the '90s, when you saw children's bloody dead bodies being dragged out of you know destroyed buildings, Yasser Arafat was the guy leading that uh, that uprising. Um, as the years went on, uh, they began to recognize uh, PLO is this, this organization that was sort of in charge of the Palestinian people, and you know this stateless nation or whatever, but that he would be in charge of that. And it, correct me if I'm getting any of this wrong, Donna, cause this is, uh, I'm shooting from the hip, but I'm pretty well versed in this, but, but, but as Arafat is rising up, just like it is in most organizations here in the United States right now, the liberal, it's like, it's, you're not liberal enough. So we're going to have, you know, black lives matters then becomes the, this raging machine uh, this organization that wants to tear everything down, not just get peace. They want to burn it down. And so, uh, the older Arafat was getting, you know, there's the uh, the, the infamous picture of, uh, is it Bush? And then, or no, it's Clinton, Arafat, and I think it was Sharon, but uh, this infamous peace agreement back in 2000. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and by the way, they offered a two-state solution, a state meaning that you could have, Palestine could have its own state. Uh, and by the with the lines that were being drawn, like it would make Israel at one place like 11 miles wide. Yeah. Like these are completely. No, that's,
2: in, it's nine miles nine wide. Nine miles. So, yeah. so <laughs> yeah.
1: Completely indefensible. Right. And Palestinian people rejected that. Arafat.
2: They so, have rejected it six times. Six times. Six times.
1: Yeah. So Arafat eventually dies. They put in charge a guy named uh, Abbas, Mahmoud Abbas, who is now their their. A leader a president I'm not sure what the term they would use he's not technically a president because it's not a nation but in in the like the the power vacuum that f- unfolded from that Hamas becomes like their version of the, the the extremist terrorist organization that was uh that's now going to be dropping bombs and, and blowing up and, and and here's how extreme it was and extreme it is uh, if you were to look at Israel on a map there's basically three sections that would be kind of considered Arabic-Palestinian. Gaza, which is right on the coast, on the southern uh, coast, on the the west side. Egyptian side. Uh, it's funny, but then you go to the West Bank because it's like the West Bank of what? The, so that's right near Egypt in the corner. So it's near um, like Ashdod and Tel Aviv. And then there's the West Bank, which would include things like Jericho and, and Bethlehem. Uh, and it is, it 100% is surrounded by Israeli military uh, protection and then inside the city there's a little spot where uh, Arabs and Jews kind of live together so there's like these three kind of sections. Gaza is where Hamas is located so when you see that on the news Gaza and understand the terrorist organization Hamas is located there. Abbas, Mahmoud Abbas, their leader is not their leader. Hamas rejects him as a leader so when you say they need to negotiate for peace whatever like the question is negotiate with who? because not only is he not uh, in charge of Gaza, he's not even allowed to go to Gaza. He hasn't been to Gaza since 2007, was the last time he was in there. And because
2: they've been in control since 2006.
1: Yes, mm-hmm. and, uh, but, and he couldn't go because they'd kill him. Like mm-hmm. that's how in control Hamas is, and how crazy Hamas is, uh, they'd kill him.
2: And in their official charter, it yeah. says it's the destruction of Israel, that is their goal.
1: Yeah. And that's not, like, that's true. Like, you can find it on, like, they're not even hiding Mm -hmm. it. It's not like they're, you know, it's not like the secret organization, like, where, where we, you know, QAnon, Underground, whatever. This is actually, they're just very, very, very plain about this. So it's kind of funny to me that when I heard, like, you know, that Al Jazeera and one of the other news organizations was in the same building as Hamas, I'm like, well, of course they're gonna bomb your building. That's, how dumb were you to, mm-hmm. to put yourself, and, and, and if you're Hamas, of course, why did they put their office in that building? Because of that very reason. Mm-hmm. So Hamas is a military organization, fair to say they're a radical military
0: yeah. organization. I would say a terrorist organization. A terrorist organization. Terrorist organization Recognized
1: re- by the EU, US, UN, mm-hmm. they all call them a terrorist. Amnesty International calls them a terrorist mm-hmm. Organization. Mm-hmm.
0: terrorist organization representing the Palestinian people.
1: So I would I would wouldn't say that. I would say they're representing themselves. Mm-hmm. They would say they're speaking representing the behalf, Palestinian thinking people. They're, they're yeah. believing
0: they're speaking on behalf yeah. of.
1: Yeah, and here's why they're what. in charge. Yeah, oh well, yeah, they're leading it. Right. Yeah. So yeah, and, you're right. That's right. If and, you say it that way, they are representing them. But mm-hmm. I don't know that a lot of the Palestinians would say that you represent my views. Mm-hmm.
0: And so when we say Palestinians, who who are the Palestinians? Who are these people?
1: Are these are. Mostly majority Arabs. Uh huh. Well, Arabs, Syrians, um, Lebanese. Like it's mostly Arabic people that have lived in this area that was called Palestine. Technically, there are no Palestinians as a race of people like there's no dna that is a palestinian right the genetic code because
0: mm-hmm. what we talked about earlier the palestine or palestinian is a kind of a slang for what philistine, philistine? yeah
2: it was originally named <laughs> Syria Palestina yeah. right yeah. yeah so it's it's a bit of a
0: slang term <clears throat> yeah. it's de- um what's that word degot uh I'm degrading sorry. degrading yeah uh it's a degrading it's,
1: name yeah it was pejorative in an the pejorative to israel yeah. and mm-hmm. And obviously, look, you go into West Bank, they, they would call themselves Palestinian in a way that I would call myself a Nebraskan. But I'm a German. Like, I've got German slash Norwegian. I'm a, actually, I'm more of a mutt. I don't even know what I am. I need to deal with I was 23 and me. Uh, my wife is a Norwegian, right? She's from North Dakota. But if you were to pull her DNA, there is no such thing as a North Dakotan. She is a right. Viking, which explains a lot about my wife when you think about it. Um, and so... It is a technicality, and I don't want to insult anyone who lives in that area to say that you're not real or that your your existence isn't validated. But I am saying that as a genetic code that had claim to a land, that actually doesn't even exist. So Hamas is the terrorist organization that has taken over Gaza. And and what you see on the news all the time is that Gaza has a—and it's true, there's a wall built around Gaza— in the same way that our president built a wall around the White House because they want to protect the White House. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a sea-faring nation, whatever. So, cause they're right on the coast, which means they have a deep water port. And it means that, so Israel has then built a blockade around the, the coast, you know, in the name of defense. Mm-hmm. And it, when I hear people complain about it, I actually understand the frustration but what i don't understand is what do you want them to do do you want them to keep letting missiles getting shipped in there like i you know this whole idea that we can we need to just you know demonize israel but then let hamas do what they want is
2: uh, and it's it's important to note too that they the palestinians have received so much humanitarian aid yes and hamas takes it and uses it for weapons when you look at pictures of gaza where they're living, oh, yes, it is complete opposite of what Israel looks like. It's yeah. because they don't spend money on their people. They don't feed them. They don't house them. Yeah. It's completely used for weapons. And the opposite, when Israel receives money, they use it for technology, and then they share that technology with the U.S. It's, w- the U.S. recently sent 245 million dollars to yes. the Palestinians. Well, where did it go? Yeah. Went right to Hamas again.
1: Right. Apparently thirty one hundred rockets. I'm I'm assuming they don't give those away. Like you gotta buy them somewhere. Right. right. Like well, are, they're
2: being bolstered by Iran as well, because yeah. Iran wants yeah. I mean, they're continuing to call for the blood of yeah. the Jews.
1: And that I guess what's sad to me is that like I, I want I want peace. Uh we're supposed to want that. We're supposed to pray for that, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Um, it's funny, even thousands of years ago, God knew that that would need to be one of our main prayers, mm-hmm. uh, that it would be Jerusalem
2: mm-hmm. and Jerusalem would be a heavy stone.
1: Yeah. Cause you think about it, like our globe right now of all the moving parts of the world, whether it's China, Russia, mm-hmm. it all literally comes down like the bullseye right into that land and not only in Israel, but in Jerusalem and not only just in Jerusalem, but on that temple mount. Mm-hmm. like the bullseye, the very place that Jesus says he will return to mm-hmm. is the place that and it's why, how many presidents, Carter, Reagan, Clinton, Bush, Bush again, like mm-hmm. the idea of creating peace in the middle East is they've, every one of them have tried it. It's become the center point of their policies uh, for that very reason. Like that, because that's where the, the crux of our world is struggling right now. Mm-hmm. And I, I agree with you, Donna, that, what they keep hitting their head up against the wall of is that you're, they're not making a deal. I want to be careful. I say this cause I'm about to say they're making a deal with the devil and you're going to hear me say that the Palestinians are the devil. But what I am saying is that Israel is God's given them that land. And so making a deal that would ask them to give up that land is not making a deal with Palestine. It's making a deal with the devil mm-hmm. because that, so it's never going to happen and cause it is a zero sum game. If you're Satan, it's a zero sum game. If, uh, the prince of the power of the air, that he does not want that land uh, in the hands of the Israeli, in the hands of the Jewish people, in the hands of God's chosen people. Right. How much land are we talking about here?
0: What's the What's the specific area of land that we are? Size of Connecticut? Is that what you're saying? Like what it's size? It's New Jersey. New Jersey.
2: Yeah, it was originally supposed to be the size of Pennsylvania, but they kept breaking it up. Yeah. So now it's down to the size of New Jersey. And it,
0: so when they're talking about the Gaza Strip. Which is where a lot of this fighting is happening. What can you define that or give some details mm. to what Gaza Strip is? It's like a nine it's mile. 140, it's one
2: hundred and forty. It's one hundred and forty miles. One hundred
0: and forty mm-hmm. miles of land, and so those are where the where mm-hmm. they
1: meet, like the border. It's a border area. Yeah, so it's kind of if you if you're on a map right now, I'm kind of seeing it in my mind's eye because I don't have a map in front of me. On the east, I'm the west coast of Israel. At the bottom near Egypt, yes. Which, by the way, Egypt also be blockading them. You know what I mean? Like everybody busting Israel's chops, but Israel, Egypt ain't interested either. Like they've mm-hmm. got their wall on the in the Egypt side, mm-hmm. and one of the main sources that where they keep getting in trouble is the tunnels that go from Egypt into Gaza, yeah, uh, getting stuff in. So it's yeah. When you hear Gaza, that's what you're that's what you're hearing about, and Gaza has become that um, because of Hamas's control over them. So again, I want these. Arabic, the, the Palestinian, I want, their, I want them free as well. I just want them free from Hamas. And uh, was it 2015 when the last time that there was a major, major conflict there, um, when it was over, Amnesty International releases this report that says that uh, human rights violations, not against Israel, I mean, they did, they were, you know, whatever, they, they do that about everybody, right? So they're, at least they're equal opportunity. But they found 100, like just proof that if, if someone inside of Gaza had been found to collude with Israel or maybe was colluding with Israel, they didn't just imprison them, they tortured them and murdered them, like publicly, throwing them off of buildings to break their legs, to, you know, harm them. And, and I would take a step further and say that, especially if, you, if you're a liberal progressive and the rights of LGBT mm-hmm. folks are at all important to you. Ask yourself where in that part of the world are those people free? If you if you're one of if and I'll tell you where it is, it's the nightclubs of Tel Aviv, mm-hmm. right? There's a lot of crazy stuff happens in yeah. there, you know.
2: It's not Saudi Arabia. Not
1: Saudi Arabia. It's not Iran. Uh-uh. They just
2: uh, beheaded yes. a gay man yeah. just a couple weeks ago.
1: And not in Gaza, because yeah. they will throw them off of buildings, mm-hmm. uh, break your legs, torture, publicly humiliate, and murder. Uh, there is not only no freedom, there is no right to existence. And obviously in, in our Christian faith, it informs us on gender and sexuality, but it also informs us on love to say that uh, we would we, we call you to be relationship with Christ and to repent. And yet you have the, the choice to make that. No, we're not going to make that choice for you. That is not the case. And if you go around Syria, Jordan, like it's just not that that is not an option, but especially not. In Hamas. Mm-hmm. And so, what I hear and I read, uh, young people, uh, and I say that, I, there's some 40, 55 50, year olds out there too that are, that are just the same kind of thing. Like, if, if you were to ask them their opinions on uh, many progressive and social issues, um, they would be so antithetical to Hamas that it wouldn't even be funny. But there's almost no awareness of that.
0: Yeah, I think one just general example is just simply the New York Times. Oh, i, I just yeah. even reading, just browsing it. This morning was all of these, you know, progressive ideals on how the country should be run right next to all things Palestine, anti-Israel. And it's just so uh, it's just so disjointed. Mm -hmm. The thought pattern is so disjointed. Yeah. But it's 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 madness. It's madness, but it's presented as this is this should be normal. This should be understood. This should be a no brainer.
2: And you know, it's it really is a blinding spirit that is over so many people, even in within the American Church. It's a blinding spirit to this, and over there, it's a spirit of death because they are just one hundred percent. The Jews have to die. Yeah, you know, they have to go. They have to be out of the land. And what I think is interesting is a couple of years ago, I read um, there's a book called The Encyclopedia of stateless nations. There actually is a book <laughs> about stateless nations. Wow. There are six thousand stateless nations in the world. Which one do we hear about all the time?
1: Wow. Interesting. Yeah. If you think about that, not only which one do we hear about all the time, which is pretty much the only one we ever the hear only
2: about. one. And it's one of the smallest ones yeah. as well. The Palestinians are one of the smallest stateless nations. There are some that are seventy million plus twenty three million, seventy million. Yeah. You know eight million people who have no nation of their own but we continue to hear about this one and why because satan has to have that land
1: yeah
0: would the kurds be
1: another one oh yeah
2: yeah the Kurds. they're probably
1: sure. if if you were to put the list of how many was it five thousand six thousand six thousand they probably would be a number two on the list of that you've heard about but it would be a, a distant second place
2: yeah they're one of the oldest they yeah. may be the oldest yeah. i don't know and,
1: and and by the way there is a genetic Kurdish like that is a very that is a race of people that have a claim to that land. That was when it was drawn up after World War Two, uh, you know, Iraq and uh, these nations were formed. And that was uh, one of those lines that a bunch of folks in a United uh, League of Nations, United Nations or whatever, were like drawn up lines. I like, always well, put a line right here. This will be fine, uh, which completely eliminated the Kurdish population. So on the one hand, they've got uh, Turkey that the Ottomans um because they wouldn't even think of themselves necessarily as Turkish Turks. They're, they're Ottomans. Mm-hmm. This is the Ottoman empire, um, who hate the Kurds. And on the other side, you've got Iran who hates the Kurds. And on the South, they used to have Saddam who hated the Kurds. And so where Grady lives right now, Erbil international airport, uh, they are not a nation state. They, they cannot vote. They don't get a vote in their own nation. They have no, they literally just exist. And, uh, and you're right Donna there's no mention of that hardly at all like that that's going on on a regular basis but what you don't hear is that uh, that Turkey is the occupying force or that Iraq is the mm-hmm. occupying nation or Iran is occupying their nation you just hear the Kurds and the freedom fighters is the only thing you hear
2: mm-hmm. if you hear it all if you hear it at all right. that's right because yeah. it's always the Palestinians
1: yeah yeah what we would have heard mostly is hey when uh, like when uh, the military Trump bombs the guy from Iran whose name I completely am blanking on but he was like they're Colin Powell uh, right.
2: That later, it, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, so we heard a lot about that, mm-hmm. but there was no nuance whatsoever in it. Uh, but as far as the borders go, um,
0: so we know where Israel is on a map. Who are their largest
1: allies in the Middle East? So weird oh. that you would use that question, because even two years ago we would have said they have no allies in the Middle mm-hmm. East. You know, Jordan at best had a love-hate relationship with them tolerate them, Egypt, whatever. But in the last year or so, you know, Saudi Arabia, Oman, UAE, and one other that I'm forgetting, uh, I mean, they opened up flights between Israel and, uh, which I remember, Donna, you were talking about the, know, the idea of the, of the peace accord, the peace that wouldn't last or something like that. Was Do you remember what you were talking about with that, the peace... There's a biblical prophecy about making peace with Israel, uh, these certain nations, but it wouldn't be a lasting peace.
2: Well, right, yeah, because we we know that because the, um, the man who will be known, who John, the apostle John calls the Antichrist, is going to strengthen that peace covenant that is That's currently right. there. Because uh, it says he's going to confirm a covenant, and the word confirm means strengthen. So obviously something has to be in place for him to strengthen it. But then he's going to break that peace. So there's never going to be peace in the Middle East in our lifetime till the Antichrist comes into play, the world leader. He'll make that peace. And so they'll have three and a half years of peace, and then he'll, he'll break it.
1: Right.
0: I saw today that um, Turkey's uh, Erdogan, how do you say his last Erdogan? name? Erdogan. 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 It's Erdogan. like
1: Erdogan is how it's spelled, but it's
0: Erdogan. Erdogan. He said uh, today, eighty-four million Turks will continue to defend Jerusalem. He said that in about an hour ago. Whoa! Because well, he back wants up. he
2: wants Jerusalem.
0: Yeah, Erdogan right. said that.
2: Yeah, today. Mm-hmm.
0: And so it's, that is fascinating. It's interesting to see. I mean, much less over the past twelve months, the eighteen months, all these different little peace agreements that came through former President Trump's administration to really rally the troops per se. Uh, Turkey, obviously, him saying that even today, is it, there's just a lot of interesting pieces of the puzzle
1: that the, the, the have movement right now. Here's why that's so utterly fascinating to me. Um, do you remember that episode of The Office uh, where— it's Michael Scott and Andy, and yeah. they all got their guns pointed at each other. <laughs> yeah,
2: I remember well, they that. they call out a Mexican standoff. Yeah, I don't know. think we're allowed
1: to say that anymore. But that, oh, yeah, they, uh, <laughs> but they that's what we always call that. Um, th- th- so that's kind of the image of the entire Middle East. Everybody's got their guns on everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, people don't realize that while we were fighting ISIS uh, in Iraq, we were fighting besides Iranian forces because they were the enemy of my enemy. And then, as soon as we killed them, we're back to guns on each other. But uh, Turkey and Russia are are allied in this, uh, as are wait, am I getting that in right? In Iran, yeah, in Iran, Tur- Turkey,
2: Russia, yeah. and Iran—they've all been in meetings for many years. Yeah, ago. yeah.
1: So for them to be—I remember a Bible teacher, and I golly, I wish I could remember which one it was. Is it was probably uh, Chuck uh, Smith. Smith, maybe. What I'll remember, it's been about 25 years ago, 20 years ago, and he said, keep your eye on Turkey. Yeah, Because he was like, you know, at that point, Turkey had become a largely secular state. Mm-hmm. It had been, you know, it didn't seem like it was playing any part at all. And it was just a few years back when Erdogan rises to power. He sets himself up as a basically a dictator and has made no qualms about the fact that he wants to re- revive the Ottoman Empire, that that's his shtick. And so... When you get down on the border of Syria, on the one hand, the Turks, uh, Erdogan hates the Kurdish people. Like, he has been bombing the mm-hmm. Kurds. And on the other hand, he sure didn't want ISIS rising up. And so he's defending his buddy uh, in uh, in Syria. And so for him to say he would defend Jerusalem, you're right. There's there's nothing but something you know, behind the scenes of him to his desire to control Jerusalem mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. And that, because he's got, I mean, there's no love for uh any of the leadership in, in Israel right now. Wow. Huh. Breaking news.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's just, it, it changes by the hour. We we kind of joked a little bit ago that by the time this podcast is out and by, maybe by the time somebody listens to it in the next few days or the next couple of weeks, it might be old news. Right. Um, because things are just changing so so quickly things are happening so fast.
1: It does speak to this, though. Again, dear NPR, who will never listen to this, like even Erdogan knows that Hamas is a terrorist organization Mm -hmm. like even Erdogan understands that these people are a zero-sum game they are not interested in peace Uh, they do this this cycle has happened at least three maybe four times that I can remember in the last in my adult life of where it was PLO but then it became Hamas you know it's like they basically and it's probably gonna happen again at this point which is that they're gonna eventually call uncle cry uncle Uh, Israel's going to send a bunch of money in, rebuild all, they're going to pay to rebuild Mm -hmm. all the buildings that they Mm -hmm. just blew up. Uh, And then in the meantime, Hamas is going to start buying more missiles, burying them under the ground, buying more, burying them, and until you know, however many they get stored up and then they'll do it again. Mm -hmm. And the New York Times will play right into their hand and talk about this awful occupation of them. And I, I know this, there's only, of the two groups at the table right now, Palestinian and Israel, there's only one that actually wants peace. And that's Israel. Uh, they would, if they would, if Hamas would put their rockets down, if PLO would stop with their nonsense uh, terrorist bombings, take control of the of the extremes of their parties. Israel is not interested. They're they're a very wealthy nation. Think about mm-hmm. that. They're a very wealthy nation. They're not interested in this being their deal. They don't want to have to be in a place where every house has to like literally. Their homeowners associations require you to have a bomb shelter. Like, if we were, like, church building we're building right here, we would be required to build a bomb shelter mm-hmm. uh, in it. Like, that is a part of it. In the same way that you have to have toilets and sinks, you have to have a bomb shelter. They don't want that. Uh, they would go, they would negotiate peace right now with it. Mm-hmm. Um, the trouble, again, is the zero-sum game, which is they want peace, which means peace uh, means that they get their land, we get our land. Um, but obviously what we've and I think, and Donna, correct me if I'm wrong, even what, what probably triggered... Hamas on this one was actually some of the stuff that was happening at the Temple Mount recently.
2: Yeah, that was that was part of it, the Jerusalem Day yeah. celebration. Yeah. But it also uh, stemmed from five Palestinian families being in some neighborhood something.
1: Is that what they said triggered it? Yeah, right.
2: Yeah. And so, yeah, so there's been it just they never really have to have an excuse. I mean, since 1920 when the Jeru- when the Jews were praying at the Western Wall, the Arabs just attacked them, started killing them. Right, they right. They never really have to have an excuse. They, right. just, they just start because they need to annihilate them. And you know, it's interesting how the, how the two sides are in this conflict because Israel, whenever they're going to target a building, they send out a message first for people to get out of the area. Yes. I mean, they could go in, <laughs> they could just raise that entire 140-mile strip but they don't, they go in, they say, we're targeting this building, get out of this building. And then they literally target just that building It doesn't take down the other buildings right. around it, which, which is amazing.
1: It, actually, I've seen a couple of videos of it and it is actually remarkable to mm-hmm. me. Like you watch a building go down and think, I don't even know how you do that. Like mm-hmm. it, with a, like a controlled just goes straight down, demolition, right. yeah. And it is, at the end of the day, I guess what makes me the most sad is that even in those moments, and it's extraordinarily minimized because it could be much worse, and yet there are innocent people that die, but it's, you go back to the question: like, what is Israel supposed to do? Like, I don't know what you do if these, you know, the, the Hamas organization continue to attack. Like, do you, do you sit and take it? Do you allow Alabama starts bombing Tennessee? Mm-hmm. How long before Tennessee says, you know what, I'm going to need you to stop that, mm-hmm. and, hear, and if you won't, then we're going to make you stop that. there's just a little bit of just common sense that has to be deployed somewhere.
2: And Israel's definitely been more uh, forceful this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, I think they are definitely putting their foot down and saying enough is enough. We're not going to take this much longer. And now you see that Hezbollah is on the move in Lebanon, so you got to wonder, well, what are they doing? Are they going to come to the aid of Hamas as well? You know, Hezbollah, another... Terrorist yeah. group, backed by Iran,
1: and and by the way, with competing goals. Meaning, uh, here's they both have the same goal, which is the decimation of Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. But Hezbollah is a Shia Islam, Hamas is uh, is Sunni. And so they both actually, even when you see like inside of like when they're warring with each other, so it's Saudi Arabia, Sunni, whatever, like they, generally speaking, you don't see those guys lining up with each mm-hmm. other unless it's against Israel. And But once Israel's out of the way, if Israel gets out of the way, if, they're then fighting each other because that's the Iran, Syria and even Iraq, Lebanon, that whole strip is a Shia Islam strip of, of, the, of the billions of Muslims in the world. Ten percent of them are Shia. And of the 10% who are Shia, the majority live literally in that strip
2: of land. Mm-hmm. Right. Because um, Turkey is Sunni. Yeah. And Turkey and Iran have been meeting. So yeah. it makes sense that Russia is there in the middle because Russia is acting like the, the middleman, kind of right. like the peacemaker between right, right.
1: Right. these two <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Muslims. <laughs> like the leveling off of it. Because that, that is very, if you're Putin, that is super complicated. But if mm-hmm. you're an atheist, I don't think you really understand just how complicated it is mm-hmm. because you think... You know, if they would just you know think logically, it was almost like I remember when uh, Hillary Clinton was talking about if, if how Christians just needed to stop caring so much about abortion, or she used to use some language like that. About and i was like, you have no idea, like because you're talking about this from you're some sort of secular humanist thing, but from a Christian faith perspective, you don't just shift on your faith on that. that I'm not just going to say that Jesus is a way to heaven, like that's a deal breaker in our faith. Mm. They've got deal breakers in their faith as well, and it is way more serious than just you know just calm down and stop thinking that way like Putin if you're a secular humanist might be that easy but it's Mm -hmm. certainly not that easy in a religious war
0: is this all the way does this derive all the way back to our our good buddies uh Isaac and Ishmael I mean it seems like that's you know Mm -hmm. you just take it all the way back like where does this start from sure how did we get here yeah yeah um talk a little bit about that
1: yeah, when Hagar right is sent off, in Ishmael, and by the way, God had a promise of blessing on Ishmael and his descendants, mm-hmm. and I don't and know he's if he's kept it. Yeah, i was gonna say I don't know if you've been to the airport <laughs> uh, in uh, Dubai, but God be keeping that promise. Look, <laughs> like you go oh, around, <laughs> you go around there, like you know, most airports. There's like a little, like a lot of bigger airports. Here's oh, here's this brand new car from this car dealership sponsoring it. It's like a Honda or whatever, and. But in like Doha, it's a a Bugatti. This like Ethan, my son Ethan, oh, he would love it there. Oh yeah, he does. He's been like he he gets ex- he's actually going to be bummed. We're headed to Uganda that we're not going through Doha because there's no Gucci store in the Amsterdam airport. Like there's a Gucci store. Like he's going to buy anything in a Gucci store. But uh, but yeah, that the, he's kept the promise to it. But yeah, that war. And when you look back, even to the prophecies over Ishmael and in, in, in that generation, you will war with each other. You will fight with each other, and you will. And that generation, when you look back to it, that not only has they, have they populated the nations, but they've been at war not just against the world, but with each other. And I think part of the Sunni-Shia divide is part of what that is. But even before Islam, there was that, the, the tribalism that we see that exists in that. Mm-hmm. And on the other side, yeah, Isaac. And by the way, in the Quran, it's 100% reversed. Um, Ishmael is the promised one. Ishmael is the... And sure. Isaac is the other... It's, how do they recognize Abraham? What, what, what's what, what is their take on Abraham? Prophet. He's the father of their of their people. Okay. So they would they exalt him um, and you know folks if, if you if you don't know it f- about it but you know so Islam has been around 6 600, 650. It's when Muhammad got his vision. So it's not unlike Jehovah's Witnesses, it's not unlike uh Mormonism. And that it was somebody who came along who got a, a vision of a new something new in the Bible. So when you hear progressives talk about the, rewriting the Bible, I'm like, honey, you are not the first one to try this, mm-hmm. and it never ends well. Uh, but that's what happened. Muhammad has a dream. His wife thinks it's it's a, it's a or no, sorry, he thinks it's a demonic dream. His wife actually convinces him that it's a uh, from God, and Islam was is born. And part of that dream is literally just like with Mormonism, just like with Jehovah's Witnesses is rewriting uh, the entire narrative into a brand new one because God gave him the vision of how it really was it wasn't Isaac but it was Ishmael interesting and yeah right it's fascinating when you think about it like, like when you realize the history of it it was Somebody just saying this is the exact opposite, and it's almost like Bizarro Superman. Are you old enough to remember Bizarro Superman? <laughs> no, I, I have no
0: context for what you're talking about right now. Oh,
1: gosh, I'm so old. I've heard of Superman. <laughs> okay, well, and the, the original Justice League before Zack Snyder screwed it all up. Uh, there was the uh, Battle of the Super Friends. It was our Saturday morning cartoon. I mean, Mike, in the old days, when we, we had to watch a cartoon, we had to watch it when it was on, and it was on on Saturday morning. I do remember that part. Right. So you had, uh, you had on the one hand, the Justice League, which was you know, Superman and Aquaman. And then there was the Legion of Doom, which was like the all the anti the evil people and the Legion of Doom, there was a guy named Bizarro Superman who was literally up was down, right was wrong, left was right, everything was backwards of the, from what Superman was, so it was literally the exact opposite of Superman, so i 've made a very culturally niche reference <laughs> that only somebody of my age would probably even know what i 'm talking about, but that 's what it is it 's the almost anything in scripture that you would see in the, our scripture they have reversed engineered it to theirs. Mm. And so they would trace the, the, the lineage of Ishmael, not Isaac. And they represent uh, like they recognize Jesus, by the way. Uh,
2: as a prophet. As a prophet. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and if you were to ask any uh, Muslim who knows their, uh, any of their stuff, they would say that Jesus... It's almost like you're having the Josh McDowell more than a carpenter conversation of apologetics. He didn't really die on the cross, that he was replaced with, a, with, a, with an imposter, and that mm-hmm. Jesus didn't resurrect from the so, dead because he never died on the cross.
0: So they, hold, they would hold Jesus in the same... Um, the same standard as uh, Abraham or Moses or
1: yeah, I would say that they would probably put him on a Moses. Here's what they would say. So when Muhammad returns um, or the, the imam, the twelfth Imam in, the, in this Shia version, uh, he's, Jesus will be with him. Um, as his helper, as his helper. Yeah. Like his sidekick, his armor bearer, right. He's like, like a giant charismatic church pastor. He's got to have his armor bearer with him. Um, so he is coming back with them, but he is, yeah, he's a helper, not the, not the guy. So we have context and, um, you know, we've, we've, the least
0: those sitting in this room, have done some reading and some understanding of, of, of history and context of how, you know, these things have come to pass. I'm, I'm really curious to know, what history, what kind of history is taught to those that are Palestinian, you know, the, the millennial Palestinians per, uh, perhaps versus millennial Jews? What history are they being taught and what are they being led to believe that adds fuel
1: to the fire? Well, I can speak with quite a bit of confidence because it's not even hard to find what. Palestinian, but also what a many, many uh, madrasas teach as it relates to. And a madrasa is like a, a Muslim school. So, our like, like FCA, Franklin Christian Academy, they'd have like the Muslim, you know, private school. Yeah, Islamic Muslim Academy. Uh, but they call them madrasas. Uh, and they are very much teaching. I mean, if you talk to um, young uh, people who were, grew up in that world, they, they would tell you that when they first heard of, they, they met their first Jewish person, they thought, man, I can't believe they aren't monsters. I envisioned him as like, uh, again, back to the office. What was that? The version of Santa Claus that Dwight, uh, the German Santa Claus. The, the, I can't remember. It was a really good reference. But that's what they would have viewed uh, a Jewish person as. This mean, monstery person with like spiked teeth. And uh, that's what they're taught now. In the Jewish public schools, they are Jewish. For the for the most part, Israel is a secular state. Uh when you look at their politicians, they've got the same kind of crap we got going on. You got the, the conservative, you got the liberal, you got the ones that want war, the ones that want liberal politics. And so it really does break down quite a bit like that in theirs. And so their schools are taught very much from a secular perspective. It'd be fun to get Catherine Vanderbeek whose kids are in. Yeah. That's that school, cool. Very interesting to hear what, what they are taught. But you know, my guess is um, based upon even what Catherine was taught, uh, she said, first of all, when she first met Christian, she was surprised. We were actually nicer than we, because she was a Jewish kid. She, she thought we'd all be mean. Um, but in their school, they're, from a very secular perspective, I'm sure they're taught the the truth, which is 1948. This land was given to us. They, you don't even have to have a biblical land, lens for this and just say that the Holocaust was over. All these Jewish people who had been dispersed. I mean, as far back as First Peter, he would, I'm writing it to the exiles in Asia. Because the that's just one sentence, but what that means, it says one sentence for us, but it was an entire generation for them that were literally forcibly removed from their city and then scattered into other parts. Like, they didn't have a choice. They were just dropped off in boats, and mm-hmm. now you got to fend for yourself. So to the exiles in Asia, uh, it started that far back. And so when Hitler did what he did, exterminating 8 million Jewish people, um... The world rightly said, we owe this people group a giant gratitude and, and, and gift of some kind, right? And, and allow them to return to their land. Donna, I'd be curious to
0: hear your your thoughts on what you think of uh, the Israel prime minister Netanyahu. Like, do you think that he has done a, a good job of navigating this? Is he still the, the, the man of the hour to, to lead Israel through these next few years, what is your take on him?
2: Uh, I, well, I th- I think that he is because his his primary goal is to defend Israel. Um, Israel was very gracious because there are two million Arabs who live in the country, and they've allowed them to be part of their government, their Knesset, and that has thrown a wrench many times in mm. these you know uh, these elections. But that's his primary goal. Is I need to Defend this land and defend these people. That's good. Yeah,
1: and he's—it's funny because it's you hear again from, especially from the liberal progressives, you know, that he's so mean. And I just want to ask, well, what are you looking for from mm-hmm. him exactly? Like to
2: be, to appease? Because yeah. every time they appease, they whittle away, give parts of their land away, and it's never meant peace.
1: It's never meant peace. Mm-hmm. And there are 1967, uh, 1970-something, 1980. Every time a little bit of land was given up, it didn't do anything. It Mm -hmm. genuinely didn't. And so and it's... Never. Because it's
2: never going to because they have to have all the land. Yeah. They can't have just little pieces of it. They have to have all of it.
1: Yeah. And there's something to be said for... Again, when you... Here's what I... And I've thought about this a lot because I've listened to an interview that Rogan did. And and so Rogan is a secular humanist, Joe Rogan, uh, liberal bent... But his presumption is always that humans are good and that we are evolving towards something better. And if that is your presumption, then you could say to Israel, well, just be nice, and if you're nice, they'll be nice to you.
2: Yeah, no. And I don't even know what to say about that. Like That's like
1: so monumentally stupid from a perspective of a... it It literally does not recognize how the world works at all. Now, would I love it to be different? Absolutely. I wish that Joe Rogan was right about that. Like, because that would make our lives a lot easier. But Jesus came to save us from our sins because we are not good at heart. Mm-hmm. We are not at our core good. And so we needed that salvation. And because of that, that's why until Jesus returns and, and restores all things in this kingdom, this will be the story of life. Human history, The, story, the war is not the exception in human history. It's the norm. Any season where we are where we say that there is not war, is that's, not the, that's an exception to the rule. It is not normal. And that's true of Africa, Middle East, Americas, period. What, what is America's role in this? What is it or what should it be? Both. I don't know if we know what it is right now. I saw that Biden approved um,
0: about three-quarter of a billion dollars in resources to Israel. Uh, today as well
2: yeah I did I read that interesting
1: Um, okay so
0: that's you know take it for what it's worth
2: you know we have to go back to Genesis to the Lord's word to Abraham because he said I'll curse those who curse you I'll bless those who bless you if we're a nation who doesn't bless Israel well obviously that's on us but we can be individuals who Mm -hmm. still bless right Israel and you can be an individual who curses israel we see you on twitter we see you on facebook yeah. but i mean that's a that's a very real thing that god says i'm going to curse you i'm going to bless you
0: but there's no mistake that america or you the united states is the largest israeli ally
2: right oh True. yes
1: even in the most liberal of politicians even under obama era Now i say that um president obama verbally was very not supportive of Israel, very supportive of Palestine. And and again, I think his naivete was that, he, you know, again, you think people are, are at our core good people. If we're just nice, then they'll be nice to us. And, you know, we, we got our hands slapped a few times with that foreign policy, not the least of which was Libya. But w- with where we are now, um, like, like, so like guys like Joe Lieberman um, is, you know, obviously he's Jewish. Right. Um, and people would call them like the Warhawks. And I've actually heard some people like Katie Halper and some, uh, probably even Taibi, some of the, the liberal journalists uh, who are just bashing Israel and bashing. They would also bash Lieberman and some of that old guard. And I'm guessing they're going to bust uh, Biden on sure. this as well. I'm, he's he's going to yeah. pay for this in uh, the Cortezes of the world. They're not yeah. going to be pleased if Absolutely. that's what he did. Yeah. And so, because, and to step further, you know, there is one democracy in that region of the world, one functioning democracy. There is one ally that we have that has our best interests in mind. So again, take out the biblical lens and just put a pragmatic hat on, and it is Israel. Mm-hmm. And we let them go. I mean, I'm, I'm really enjoying this $3.39 a gallon gasoline, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Imagine it being $20 a right. gallon. Yeah. Because we, we have no control over that at all at that point. It is over for us.
2: When, you, when I think of Israel, I can never stop thinking about God's hand on them hmm. from, from the beginning of when they became a nation again. Even to the point of where President Roosevelt was president at the time. He'd been elected Mm -hmm. for his fourth term, if you remember. No, we don't remember. We know from history we weren't born.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I remember bizarro Superman is all I remember.
2: But, I mean, this is not saying disparaging remarks about him. This is all history. It's all in in the record books. Roosevelt was anti-Zionist. He was anti-Israel. He made very public comments about it. Um, he didn't support Israeli statehood at all, and during that time, he was a very sick man. Of course, people didn't know it. They had reelected him again, but he had already said he was not going to support Israeli statehood, and he died um, in office a, a week after that it was—you the, uh, the, know, they were talking about becoming a Jewish nation again. He died a week after, and President Truman— went into office. President Truman, who never had aspirations to be president, by the way, and the Democratic National Committee had to ask him three times to be VP because two times he turned him down. And then they went back to him again and said that FDR was cursing at him. And they, you know, relayed that to him. And he said, okay, I'll do it. Right. He reluctantly became president, didn't want to do it. But he became president for a reason he was put in that position for a reason because he had a business partner who was a jewish man for many years they had a what was called a haberdashery together and so he was very familiar with the jewish people and the plight of the jewish people his mother read him biblical text when he was a kid said if you ever have an opportunity to be kind to the jewish people you need to do so he's put into the presidency the office of president and he recognizes them right. as the Jewish nation within hours of Israel being declared. So when you think about that, had President Roosevelt been in office, he never the United States would not have recognized right. them.
1: And it is entirely likely that had the United States with our because we had recently become uh, recognized as we're not screwing around, we're kicking butt and taking names. Mm-hmm. Don't screw with the U.S. We just beat Japan and the Germans. Mm-hmm. Um, had we have not spoken up, I don't think that we would be, uh, either Israel wouldn't be recognized as a nation. And, and look, whether you believe it or not, I don't, well, I don't necessarily care, but I believe that's why our nation has been yes. blessed. I think Me that too. God need, not because we've been especially moral, not because we're especially whatever, but we, God needed Israel to fulfill his promise, right? That, uh, that, that there would be a nation there would be a temple like and if you think about it, if you're satan it's such a perfect strategy to if i can before jesus it was if i could destroy the jewish people then i could destroy the promise and now it's it's really the same thing again if i can destroy the jewish people then i could destroy the promise of his return on on, on the temple mount mm-hmm. and and I, for me and i know we're we're winding down here for time here's why i think this matters theologically to me um I'm not saying that the Jewish people are, are moral. I'm not saying that they are especially kind uh, and, and culturally especially uh, as far as we all have our culture, right? So Americans, we have our thing. Uh, Haitians have their thing. If you've ever flown on El Al Airlines, okay, it literally is hilarious because the Orthodox Jewish people uh it's just true. They're loud. They're clanging on stuff. They're climbing over each other in the middle of the night. Like I, I, I flew LL one time. I'm like, this is the last time I'm doing this. Like I can't even tell you how many times I got elbowed uh, by someone trying to make it down the hall or get you know like leaning over to get their stuff out of the box. I'm like, my goodness, it's like flying with a train, a plane load of Haitians um, with who had never flown before. You know? <laughs> um But here's what I do know. It isn't because they're moral and good that they. God loves them it's because he made a promise he made a promise to Abraham he made it to Isaac he made it to Jacob
2: and it's an everlasting covenant. everlasting covenant he says that yes he says my promise endures forever yes. he says I won't destroy them and I won't break my covenant with them yes
1: and if we can't trust God to keep that promise mm-hmm. then how on earth could I expect him to keep his promise to me mm-hmm. if it gets hard if if it's tricky God doesn't break his word you know and when I hear uh replacement theology and replacement theology simply means that once christians and jesus came the jew the promises are no longer for the jewish people but for christians we've replaced them that's a damnable theology
2: they're it's, still separate in the new testament even
1: it, it, yeah you have to torture the bible mm-hmm. extensively to get to that it completely ignores romans 9 10 11 like in the middle of, of you know, that whole Gospel moment, nineteen eleven. Like, is it ten? That's the. That's, he starts talking about Israel again and Jewish people, and it's not an interruption of the gospel. It is the gospel, uh, and for us, when we think about that, if God will keep His promise to to His people, evidence, I think, also by the hatred. For everybody, go back to the Edomites, all the way up to the Germans, all the way up to modern, you know, Arabic uh, nations. The hatred for Jewish people whether it's in uh, anti-Semitism in the United States or in, in Middle East, I think speaks Prince of the Power of the Air, the demonic nature yes. of this hatred of the mm-hmm. Jewish people.
2: Because um, there's only 14 million of them. I think their population is 14 yeah. million. Yes. <laughs> it's only 14 million Jews in the entire world yeah. as opposed to how many millions of yeah. Muslims.
1: And so I th- it's important to me that we understand this not because we want to be right about the political or the geopolitical, even though there's a lot of just, I, I, to me I want that to be important because it's just true. Like there's just no logic in what I'm hearing from a lot of the narrative. But uh, from a biblical lens, you know, Paul says, man, it's. I, I, I want them all to be saved. I want all of Israel to be mm-hmm. saved. They're my people, they're my, you know. For, he goes so far as to say, that, but as far as the gospel, they're enemies for your sake. And he meant that very literally because they kept beating the crap out of him everywhere he went. Like he'd go in there, mm-hmm. they'd beat him with rocks and throw him in jail. And, uh, but he loved them, and he loved them in the same way that God does with an everlasting love. And I hold on to that knowing that with my own faith, he's not chosen me. He's not saved me because I'm good or because I'm moral, because I'm an especially nice guy. My wife can for sure verify that he did it because he loves me and he did it because he made a promise that he would and he's not going anywhere he said it is finished and he meant it and so it's so cheesy but i I heard an old theologian say it a long time ago and i've never forgotten it if it's true for the jew it's true for you you can hold on to it if he's going to keep the promise to them and so yeah we bless the the jewish people Mm -hmm. uh and do we we hate Arabs? no no and no more than we hate ourselves right because we're we're not jews we're not You know when he talks about the nations jesus talks about the nations he was standing in jerusalem like we're the nation Mm -hmm. like we're a nation we're not the nation we are a nation that the gospel has gone into and because of that gospel that started all those years ago you know we are here today to get to love and support and and to preach the gospel and believe that uh that he's going to keep that promise to us
2: and you know when when uh the lord made the covenant with abraham he didn't say you're going to be a people he said you're going to be a nation it was very specific. Yeah. You're going to be a nation. Yeah. And when people ask, point. well, why the Jews? In Deuteronomy 7, this is why God chose the Jews for whenever this question comes up. He says, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers. It's an everlasting covenant. In that yeah. passage again? That's Deuteronomy 7, 6 through 8. It's an everlasting covenant. It's not going to be broken. And when people think that uh, they're going to uproot the Jews out of that land, he even says in Amos, I put them in the land and they're never gonna be uprooted again. They're there to stay.
1: And look, if you're a Christian, you know, go to the Bible and look at it for yourself. Um, We live in a world right now where it's so frustrating because it doesn't even, it seems to me anyway, when you hear something said, it isn't necessarily about whether it's true or not, it's about who said it or not, and do I agree with that person? Do I like that person? And if they said it, then it must be true. We got to get rid of that logic altogether Mm -hmm. but what does the word of god say what does the bible say for us and deuteronomy 7 that makes it super clear Mm -hmm. romans go to romans read the whole book of romans and then watch where paul flips the script and talks about the nation of israel about the jews in chapter 10 and realize he's not changing it's actually part of the gospel uh and uh, to me, that's of critical importance for us to all understand it, that we'd be praying. We'd be praying for the peace of Jerusalem. We'd be praying that uh, God makes himself real to the Palestinian people that are in Gaza, that are in Palestine, that are in uh, West Bank, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, um, Because I, we, if there's anything we've known right now, we're not gonna bomb it out of them. Like, this is not gonna happen. We can't let them continue. Again, if they're gonna start attacking us, we're not gonna keep letting them attack us. So, so I, I no complaints. They, they gotta defend themselves. But as we've seen over the last decades, it keeps arising again. So we'll pray that more become saved, that more find their way to Christ. And man, you know, if, if Jesus decides to return this week, I'd be perfectly okay with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that is the only thing that will end. Uh, you talk about the war to end all wars, which I know we've said that from the World War One, World War II. Like, there's no such thing as that at side of heaven. The war to end all wars is the one where Jesus comes and exterminates evil and rebuilds his kingdom and that's what we hold on to It's what we taught from revelation last year and it's what we hold on to even in our own environment right now we, you know the kingdom that's already here but the kingdom that is yet to come this is why we wanted to do this podcast today. Um,
0: we think it's super important to have some awareness to what is happening around the world and specifically when it's happening to our brothers and sisters in Israel. And so we wanted to spend some very focused time diving into the topic, asking some questions and talking about it. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Donna, for jumping in.
1: Yes, Donna. Absolutely. It's always great right, to have. we the
0: professionals when we get to something yeah, like this. Yeah, always great to have her <laughs> with us. And, um be praying for for even Darren this week as he heads out again to visit some uh, another country in the Caribbean. Uh, it's not the Caribbean; it's Central America. Central America. That's right. Yeah. I know it's usually Haiti, but it's not this week. It is not this time. Um, So prayers for safe travels. You'll be back in just a few days, just a quick trip. Um, But yeah, thanks for joining us. We are always excited that um, the folks listen and tune in. We're always excited to get the feedback. Uh, We know that you are listening. And so uh, thanks for joining us again. And we'll be back here again next week.